Thanks, James, for bringing that passage to life. At first glance, just when we, we quickly look at it, I just feel it should be read at weddings. That passage is just beautiful. It is just beautiful. But if we look at it carefully, we can see that Paul is getting at a really deep truth. It's there right under our noses and it's just waiting to be found. It's so simple yet so profound. In fact, it's worth tweeting. The gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, that's the ones that uh, David's been teaching on for the last two weeks, are all about building faith and hope while we are learning to love one another. So I'm going to say that again. The gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 are all about building faith and hope while learning to love. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name for giving us your gifts and that together we can grow as your church. Lord, you know the people who are hearing this message and you know exactly what we need to hear. Lord, I thank you for the instructions and opportunities you give us and Lord, I thank you for your word and I thank you for your patience and kindness. I ask these words today speak life into all of us. Amen. First, let's go to our Bibles. And I want to look at the beginning of 1 Corinthians. So this is 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Because it's always good, whenever you're reading somebody else's letters, to know who they're addressed to. And verse 2, we get the answer. We see that Paul is writing to people who are called to be his holy people but they've been made holy by Jesus Christ. Now note that they're not made holy by their gifts. They're not made holy by their service. They're not made holy by their skills. They're made holy by Jesus Christ. And the next line in this, it's for all people. So to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, that's us, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Now we get this idea of all. So just if we're not sure what all means, all means all. means all people under 30, it means people over 30, it means women, it means men, it means students, it means mothers, it means retirees, it means LGP. LGBTI people. It even means people who are not comfortable with gay marriage. It means everybody. It even means manly supporters. Now, we are maintaining hope for pay and way, but that all actually does include manly supporters. And all means all everywhere. So that means 21st century Sydney, It means Shanghai, it means Seoul, it means KL, it means people listening to the podcast, it means all of us. So it's a very inclusive letter. So now that we know this section is for us, let us turn back to the scripture that uh, James read. Now one of the, a lot of scripture is written with a nod to a chiastic structure. Now a chiastic structure or a chiasm means that the first and last verses of a passage kind of match. They almost resolve one another. The uh, second and second last match, third and third last, 
and it comes up into the middle and the pinnacle is right in the middle of it. So let's just look at this scripture. Now I'm going to start back the way they've done it in the NIV, in our Bible here. Start in the middle of 12 verse 31 and it says, Now I will show you the most excellent way. And we can see that that verse matches exactly with verse 13 of chapter 13. So we get this idea that we're looking at the two ends, the beginning and the end, resolve one another. So we've got this idea, I'll show you the most excellent way, then it ends with, and now these remain, faith, hope and love, but the greatest is love. So in the passage that James has read to us, we can see the beginning and the end go together. Now verses 1 to 4, or 1 to 3, sorry, suggest noisy gifts. It's like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. It's the idea of a front door, beautiful front door, with a big gong there, but no house behind it. Yeah, people might say, uh, we have a lot of expressions like that. I've heard people saying, you know, all hat, no cattle, talking about a farmer. And we've got this same idea of all gong, all front door, no house. Yeah, now it's very good to have a front door of a house, but it's also good to have a house behind it. And then we get this repeated idea down in verse 9. So we can see that the end part of the passage matches the beginning part. So we've got this idea that we know in part, we prophesy in part. Uh, when I was a child, I thought like a child. Um, you know, like I thought it was very exciting when I was in Cubs to get a badge. I think it's very exciting for a 10-year-old in Brownies or Cubs to get a badge, say for being able to uh, make their bed. I don't know whether it's something that 50-year-olds should be bragging about, that they got a badge when they were nine in Cubs. So it's that idea that uh, there's more to this. Then we move to the centre of the passage. Now this is the highlight of the passage this is verses 4 to 7. And we get this view, love is patient, love is kind. This is the absolute key right here. And we've got this idea, even that has a little bit of a chiasm in it too because uh, love is patient kind of matches with the end. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now patience is a virtue that develops gifts in other people. As people begin to operate in spiritual gifts they're probably not going to do it very well. They're going to make mistakes as they're learning. And we, as a church, can be very patient with people as they're, they're learning these gifts. Now, kindness, when we say love is kind, kindness is about caring genuinely for others around you, wanting the best for them, recognising in them the same wants, needs, aspirations and even fears that we have. That is yet real kindness. Ultimately, kindness is a deep caring for others. So kindness can motivate us to pray for a spiritual gift so we can bless others. The kindness will never give up and it will endure in every circumstance. So let's look right at the pinnacle, right in the centre of this message. This is verses 5 and 6. Love is not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it doesn't keep records of wrong. Love does, delights, does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. When God looks at a person, God sees all they can be. 
He looks at us with all our potential and everything that is working right in our life. And God keeps no record of wrongs. In fact, his son Jesus went to the cross so that we can take Jesus. He took, Jesus took our sin to the cross so we can take his righteousness to heaven. So that way God keeps no record of our wrongs at all. Now we can ask God to show us the potential in other people. We can see the potential in other people, the way that God is going to get them to grow. And when we see people living the way that God is calling them to grow, we rejoice in that, like we're rejoicing in the truth. So the truth is that God has came, Jesus came to give us life and life to the full and we rejoice in the truth when we see other people living life to the full. And deep relationships have to be based on this. There can be no record of wrongs in a deep relationship and we've got to rejoice when we see people coming through. To have people who believe in you in your life is a breath of fresh air. You know, to have people who don't keep records of my wrongs and rejoice me through when God's potential is shining through, it's, it's oxygen for the soul. There's some people I've met who are gasping for air and there's others around who are just used to being puffed out. They've just got no air coming into their life. We can be the people, we can be opening the windows, we can be just creating more and more air in their lives. We need to encourage people to be taking deep breaths and encourage one another. But let's look at the scripture as a whole. Now this scripture is to us as mature believers. I remember reading these verses when I was about 12. I had a children's living Bible and these verses were written in the front cover. I was so blessed by the words when I was 12. I was just so blessed by it. I thought, this is fantastic. I thought I understood it completely. And then as a professional wedding photographer, I've had the privilege of attending over a thousand weddings and I reckon I've heard, it, heard this scripture read at least 700 times at those weddings and I never get sick of it. I never get sick of hearing this scripture. I've heard it in my 20s, in my 30s, in my 40s. Now I think I'm almost ready to begin to understand it. I'm understanding what God is saying to us. And it's great to be part of a church that has mature believers who can really start to understand what this scripture is saying. So let's look at the scripture as a whole and we're going to build on the context of what David has been teaching about spiritual gifts and their operation within the church. Now, as we see the gifts being exercised around us, it will build our faith and build our hope. We will see things and go, oh, God is really exciting. God can really do things here and we'll actually have our faith built. But Paul says, let me show you the more excellent way. And he's saying a little later about putting childish ways behind. Now, as a kid, when I was uh, a teenager, I liked to play with electronic kits and toy cameras. I remember making a radio receiver using oversized components. If my mother was here, she might tell you about me uh, soldering a ground wire to our water pipes to try and get a better reception and uh, then building a dark room out of garden plastic in our garage. At one point, I even built a slide projector 
with some Lego blocks, a torch, and a magnifying glass. Now, I developed a number of skills in playing with these toys that I've taken through into my work in the ABC. They're all skills that I use today, but I've never used Lego, never had to repurpose a magnifying glass, you know, I've never used uh, garden plastic, never had to solder wires to uh, the water pipes to get the ABC to broadcast. You know, I've never had to do those kinds, of, not yet. Depends after the next round of budget cuts. Yes, um, but I've never had to do that. But the skills that I learnt in the process of playing with these toys and being very serious with them, very diligent in the way I was doing things, have carried through right through my life. Now, Paul is suggesting this same idea that as we mature, some things will carry forward into our mature life and some are just going to be left where they are. So it's a metaphoric comparison of educational toys for children. The skills learned by playing with the toy are useful in adult life, but the toy isn't. So I learned a lot about optics, you know, repurposing a magnifying glass and a torch with Lego, but as an adult, it's time to leave the childish ways behind. Now Paul says with the prophecy, so Paul says that prophecy and some other gifts will be left behind as we mature. But faith, hope and love go through into eternity. So the gifts will be left behind, but the faith, the hope and the love that the faith and hope we've built and the love that we've used will go with us forever. So let's consider the gifts again. If we go back to the top, you can trust me with this one, uh, 1 Corinthians 1, in verse 4 to 9, it says, The church is enriched in every way by the gifts that God has given us. church is actually enriched by the gifts. Every spiritual gift we need is right here. This actually reminds me of a church treasurer's joke. Actually, perhaps it wasn't a joke, perhaps the church treasurer was serious. But the church treasurer stood up and said, the good news is in our church, we have all the money we need to do everything we're going to do in the next 12 months. The bad news is, the money's still in your pockets. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 1 says, the good news is, we have every spiritual gift we need to grow our church. It's all there. Bad news is, still with you. We need to develop our gifts. Now look, some gifts already stand out. If you wanted some help to understand theology, you'd go straight to David. If you wanted some help with music, you'd turn to Dick. But what about healing? Now the Bible says the gifts we need are in this church. They're actually here. Somebody here will have the gift when it is needed. We need to be patient with people who are operating in these gifts. We need to, if, we, if we feel we see a need around us, we need to be kind to the people around us. What about prophecy? The Bible says the gifts are here. What about friendliness? Helping people with English as a second language. Organising an event, 
helping with children, evangelism, coaching, sharing wisdom, op shop work, just goes on and on. These gifts are all here amongst us. We as a church, though, will need to be patient and kind with one another as we grow these gifts. And as the gifts grow in us, we won't be boastful or proud and we will rejoice as the truth wins out. On the 31st of January 2016, let's consider the gifts with a bigger context. If we follow the metaphor of putting away childish things, let's see the gifts as great educational toys that God has given us to play with. Let's just get in there and uh, just go out. Enjoy healing the sick. Enjoy prophesying. Enjoy being a friend. Enjoy organising the events. You know, enjoy being God's agent right here in Ultimo and Piermont. Enjoy seeing faith and hope in action. But mostly, make it a way of life that is most excellent. Love never gives up never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Three things will last forever, faith, hope and love, but the greatest is love.